Let's continue to clap to the Lord today and magnify Him. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise God. Amen. Well, it's a good thing to give praise to the Lord. Amen. And don't you feel better after you praise Him a little bit? Amen. I know you're not supposed to go on feelings and emotionalism, but uh, I'm glad I can feel God. Sense God. Amen. Praise God. Boy, y'all look nice here today. Ready for... In San Francisco, we don't have church till 3.30. So this morning service is uh, a challenge for me. And it is... uh, nine o'clock at home and so I'll do my best to make sure my brain's awake here today I am not an early riser we got into all that praying you know years ago at five o'clock in the morning and on and uh, brother Urshan pushed us to let's go to the churches and pray at five and so had a man there in the old monkey church who was a retired navy man and he got up every day at four thirty. I mean, it didn't matter if he went to bed at 3.45, he was up at 4.30. And uh, anyway, we'd go into those prayer meetings, and he'd come in all full of energy and ready to go. And, and uh, well, needless to say, I didn't come in that way. <laughs> my wife put a, a sign over my side of the bed that said, sometimes I wake up grumpy, most of the time I let him sleep. So... <laughs> Amen. But it's good to see everybody here, and we give honor to Pastor Hughes and his family and this wonderful church. Amen. God bless you. It's an honor to be here. And uh, <clears throat> I've kind of limited a little bit of uh, preaching in just local churches and tried to figure where I could have the most impact. And uh, after a while, you have to strategically kind of look at it. And so. But I knew that there was something about here that I was supposed to come, and I think that there is a divine connection. So uh, I am honored to be here today, and I believe it's a God thing, and I'm very confident in what I'm going to preach you this morning. Do we have evening service? Yeah. I'm not sure about tonight. (laughs) I'll get it figured out between now and then, hopefully. Amen. But this morning, I feel very sure about the word that God has given me for this congregation. And uh, we're going we're gonna to let the Holy Ghost do what it needs to do. Amen. Amen. <laughs> I, <laughs> my wife's speaking at home today, and she said, I'm not a preacher. I don't like doing this. And, uh, but they love her. They tolerate me. And I've kind of moved to the bishop status, so she's, she's a mother of the church. And I'm telling you, they love her to death. She just dotes on them and talks to them. And, and I, I'm kind of to the point, I, I don't care about your cat. If he got killed this week, I don't care. Now, if it's a dog, I might change my mind about <laughs> it. Yeah, that, that stuff just doesn't. But uh, anyway, so she she <laughs> she called a while ago in service, and I stepped out, and she said, you know, I'm, I'm really kind of worried about today and all. And uh, I said, well, look, here's the deal. I said, there's an on-ramp and there's an off-ramp. And I said, just get in the flow with him. Just step up, get in the flow with him, and then look for the exit. And I said, and you take the exit when you need to take it, and he'll just keep going. And I said, so make sure you take the exit. And when I hung up, I thought, man, you need to follow your own advice. <laughs> so we'll see what happens here today. Amen. John chapter 5, I'm going to read a lengthy portion of Scripture, but for the sake of the message and, and to give us a little context here. John chapter 5, verse 1. I know it's a... I hesitate to use the word familiar, but it is a very popular story and passage. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. And these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting. 
Everybody say waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down in a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. And whosoever then first after the troubling of the water. And notice it said that he would move the water. But now it said that he troubled the water. Whosoever then first after the troubling of the water stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity 38 years. Anybody here 38? Anybody here 38? Right there. You win the prize today, 38. Now just think, sir, all of your life you'd have lived with that infirmity. 38 years. Well, that's a long time. <laughs> Amen. But thank God for a miracle. Amen. And so Jesus said unto him, well, the impotent man answered him, sir, I have no man. Verse 7, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool, but while I am coming, another step is down before me. And Jesus saith unto him, rise, take up thy bed and walk. And immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. Everybody say Sabbath. The Jews therefore said unto him that was cured, it is the Sabbath day. You ever met anybody like that? If not, you haven't been in church very long. Amen. It is the Sabbath day. You kind of got to say it like they would. You know, kind of put your glasses down a little bit and kind of look at them and say, it is the Sabbath day. You filthy sinner. It is not lawful for thee to carry thy bed. <laughs> You'd think they'd be excited about it. But no, it was the Sabbath day. He answered them, He that made me whole, the same said unto me, Take up thy bed and walk. Then asked they him, What man is that which said unto thee, Take up thy bed and walk? And he that was healed wist not that it was Jesus, for Jesus had conveyed himself away, multitude being in that place. Afterward, Jesus findeth him in the temple and said unto him, Behold, thou art made whole, sin no more, lest a worse thing come unto thee. The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus which had made him whole. And therefore did the Jews persecute Jesus and sought to slay him because he had done these things on, everybody say the Sabbath. Now, if you got glasses on, put your glasses down, look at somebody next to you and kind of look down at them. With that pharisaical stern, tell them it is the Sabbath. Come on, turn and tell them. Rebellion's the sin of witchcraft. Turn and tell them. <laughs> it is the Sabbath. Amen. I want to I preach to you this morning about into the troubled. Into the troubled. Father, I love you. I thank you, Lord, for another opportunity to minister your word to your wonderful people. I thank you, Lord, that you have given a word for these people today, and I ask that it would be conveyed, the spirit that you gave it, and help me, Lord, to minister through wisdom and your love. I need your help today, God, and I can't do it by myself. I ask you in the name of Jesus, I take authority in this service in Jesus' name. And I ask that you confirm your word today with signs following in Jesus' name. Everybody said, in Jesus' name. Shake somebody's hand while you're being seated and say, are you troubled? So I'm not troubled. Let me give you a little definition of troubled from this particular word that's used here in this chapter, verse. One term would be to agitate, to trouble a thing by movement of its parts to and fro. The other definition that's given in that same word in that text is 
is to cause one inward commotion. Take away his calmness of mind. To disquiet or make restless, to stir up, to trouble, to strike one's spirit with fear and dread. To render anxious or distressed or to perplex the mind. Anybody here today troubled? You know, we're in 2022. And uh, I don't know about you, but, uh, you know, I I think I'm glad that we're past 20 and 21. I think I am. (laughs) But if you're really honest, there's still a lot of anxiety about the future. And... uh, I mean, man, things are troubled right now. They're messed up right now. And, you know, maybe I just, I, I don't even want, I don't even want to read the news. I don't even want to look at the news. I don't even want to listen to the news. I mean, it's depressing. You know, news buffs, and I mean, that's all they want to talk about is the news and what's going on. And, and uh, maybe I should be more involved in it, but I'm not. And, uh, man, you sure don't want to go online and read all the stuff that's on there. I mean, I remember reading somebody's putting on there that there were, prior to this last election, there were Chinese submarines off the coast of California ready to attack America. And if you live in California, you hope that's not true. (laughs) And, uh, I mean, on and on it goes. It's just, it's just, it's almost like a spirit of fear has engulfed us. And it's not just in the world, it's in the church. And, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I live in the same world you do. And, man, I mean, all these people are predicting all kinds of stuff. And I realize, I, I get it, I understand that there's certain things that have to happen according to eschatology and prophecy and stuff. I I get that. I understand that. But I don't think that God ever intended for his people to be tormented with fear. I just, I can't believe that. I just can't believe that. Amen. And, uh, you know, Jesus was very clear about some things. Take no thought for the morrow or for tomorrow. And uh, one verse that I've always rested in is, as thy days are, so shall thy strength be. I am convinced that every day of your life, God's grace is the only thing that is sufficient to get you through that day. And God allocates his grace to you daily as needed. Mm. He doesn't give you any more than you need. He knows what's in your day. He knows what you're going to face. He knows the things that you're going to go through. And he allocates his grace by measure to help you meet that and to get through those situations. I remember a few years ago, I was in revival in a a place, and uh, I mean, man, it was exploding in revival, and and we literally hundreds of people getting the Holy Ghost, and and uh, the pastor told me, he said, you know, he said, Mark, he said, if uh, if the revival goes where we preach, it's going to go in the end time. He said the church may very well see persecution, and uh, I said, oh, really? He said, yeah. He said, just think about it. He said, everything comes down to money. And when people are leaving other denominations and coming over, he said, all your persecution stems from the religious sector. And I was like, oh. Now, I I don't like that, and I didn't like it. I kind of like the fluffy revival. You know, just exciting. And everything's great. And we're just talking about miracle after miracle after miracle. But this persecution stuff, mm, I don't know that I signed up for that. 
Now, I know you're looking at me like, oh, my God, Pastor, what in the world? You brought this guy here to preach for us, and he's, he said he didn't sign up for persecution. Well, uh, let, let me tell you, finish that story. I, uh, I was praying a few days after that, and uh, the Lord just kind of impressed me with this. Well, will you? And I was kind of like, will I what? You know. You're going to have to be more specific than that, God. <laughs> Will you die for me? Now, if you're talking to other people, you can fool them. You could put your whatever and just say, Oh, bless God, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, they ain't got a gun to your head. And you're not talking to somebody else, you're talking to God. And I mean, he, he's a discerner and all that. And I mean, I, I, you know, I didn't try to deceive him. I just tried to get honest. I said, Lord, I, I don't know. I, I, now I'm just telling you me. And you can sit out there and say, it is the Sabbath, all you want to say. <laughs> I'm talking about me. I'm spoiled. I mean, life's been good. I mean, we've been through some things, but life's been good. Y'all put me up in a great room last night. Your pastor fed me very well, probably too well last night. And and I get treated very royal, and, and I, you know, I've flown enough. I always fly first class, and I mean, you know, and people, they, you know, the thing is, while I'm out traveling and preaching, they just treat you like that. And then I go home, and my wife's like, no. <laughs> Somebody's going to have to bring you back down to earth, boy. And, uh, and I, I'll be honest with you, man. When I get a headache, I, I don't call for the elders of the church. I, I take Tylenol. Tylenol works faster than trying to get the elders to you to pray for you. And don't sit there and act like a hypocrite. What medicine did you take today? And I, I finally just had to get honest with him. I said, God, I don't know. I don't, I don't know that I could. And I was ready for it. I was ready for that little nuclear lightning boat of his. You know, there you are, crispy critter. It's over now. Amen. But that, that didn't happen. And I heard these words, you're right. Today you couldn't die for me. Because I only allocate my grace as needed. And today you don't need that kind of grace. But I will make you a promise. If that day ever comes, my grace will be sufficient. And you'll get on through. Thank God for the sufficiency of grace here today. Anybody glad for the grace of God? I'm not talking about, you know, just I'm saved by grace. Uh, that's pretty weak. Grace, the unmerited favor of God, that's still pretty weak. You talk about grace, you're talking about God's ability to fill a deficit. It doesn't matter what situation you're in. Grace is God's ability. It's God's gift to you to make sure that the deficit is filled. And so, you know, thank God for his grace. You're only here today by the grace of God. I've got a, I've got a friend of mine, a very close friend that's a very strong man. I mean, extremely strong man. And not only physically, but I mean, emotionally, and, and, and just, he's, just, he's just a strong person. And uh, this past year, he's had a lot of sickness and situations happen. And I seen him here a while back, and he just he looked weak and all. And uh, they're, just, they're just troubled. And I went to him, and I said, I just feel to tell you one thing. What's that? I said, you'll never know God's strength until you're weak. You've lived all of your life on your own strength. So he's only revealed himself to you in his weakness. Mm. But when you're weak, when you're weak, I'm trying to help somebody here today. When you're weak, 
That's when his strength comes to you. And the only way you'll ever experience that strength is in your weakness. Mm. Praise God. I could stop right now and give an altar call. 38 years. 38 years. I mean, I'm picking on my buddy back there, but that's, you know, I mean, you're not old by any means. But 38's a while. 38 years. What year were you born in? 83? 83. So let's just say somebody from 1983. How many remember 1983? I got my ministerial license in 1983. I was just a young preacher starting to evangelize in 1983. And since 1983, you've been at this pool. You know, you need to get real with some of these stories. And, of course, the Bible says that at a certain season, an angel would come down. And he would move the waters, but then it says he troubled the waters. Just back and forth, like somebody taking their hand in it and just hitting it and smiting the waters. And, of course, you know the story. The first one into the troubled waters was instantly healed. That's pretty incredible. And uh, 38 years, Jesus shows up on the Sabbath, and he asked the man, would you like a miracle? And the man starts giving him his excuses. And, and I get it. I, I, you know, look, man, for 38 years, I've been, I, I'm still here. That ought to tell you something. I mean, I didn't give up and stay home. I, I, I'm here all the time. And I, I'm, but when it's troubled, I don't have anybody to help me into the waters. And, and so I, I've never got that miracle. You know, Jesus, he wasn't asking him about that. He just asked him a question. You want to be made whole? And uh, then the miracle happens. Take up thy bed and walk. And man, he, he's healed. A miracle. And he goes to tell people about it. Mm. And there are those folks. It is the Sabbath. You're not supposed to take up your bed and walk on the Sabbath. Well, you'd think they'd be happy. It didn't matter what day it was. But they, they weren't. And so they sought to persecute him they, from that day forward. But you've got to remember that he is the Lord of the Sabbath. And Jesus even said, hang on a second, man was not made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was made for man. They got upset with him one time on the Sabbath because his disciples were hungry and he let them get some corn and eat. You ever know anybody like that? Boy, y'all are quiet out there, amen. I mean, I've, I've met a few folks like that. Well, I know there was a need, but you know. Bless your heart. You sin. It's the Sabbath. And uh, now, I want you to know that at a certain season, this angel would come and trouble the waters. And the first one in to the troubled got the miracle. The first one in to the troubled got the miracle. So basically, my message is, your miracle is in the troubled. Not when everything's calm. Not when everything is peaceful. Not when the water's tranquil. I mean, nope, nope, nope. That's not when the miracle happens. The miracle happens at a certain season. When God says and commands an angel, go down there and trouble it. And those that don't run from the troubled, but try to get into the troubled, they're the ones that gets the miracle. Somebody ought to rejoice here just a second. 
Yep, that's my message. Now, I know I got some Bible scholars out there. And you're saying, well, he didn't get into the water. So there goes your message. Mm, no. Because, you see, the angel troubled the water. Jesus troubled the Sabbath. Mm. Oh, he's seen that religious system. He knew how they thought. He knew how they felt. And so he steps right into that and troubles it. And the man's miracle <laughs> was in what was troubled. Mm. I do feel the Holy Ghost was in the troubled, was in the troubled. You know, let me give you another story real quick, and then I'll get, I'll start screaming here in a second. Paul sends Timothy to Ephesus, and uh, it's an Ephesus that this prevailing spirit of fear has come. I was telling your pastor coming in, and uh, I said, you know, John receives his revelation on the Isle of Patmos, writes from the Isle of Patmos, sends these letters to seven churches, and one of the, the only church that had its candlestick threatened to be removed was Ephesus. But it was also the most doctrinally pure church. They wouldn't tolerate anything false. They kept the doctrine. They wouldn't put up with anything false. I mean, they were the apostolic church of that hour. But their candlestick was threatened to be removed. And, uh, oh boy. And uh, the reason why is, is because you've left your first love. Now, I know we preach that to backsliders, you left it, but the reality of it is, basically what that means is, is you quit loving me, and you quit loving each other, and now you're in trouble. And the opposite of love to me is fear. It's not hate, it's fear. Perfect love casteth out all fear. John leaves the Isle of Patmos, according to my study, and he goes to Ephesus, the very city that had his candlestick. Matter of fact, I believe, and you can believe whatever, I believe that when he said, and to the angel of the church of Ephesus, that means he was writing to the messenger, he's writing to the pastor of that church. And at that time, I think we can historically prove to you that Timothy was the bishop and the pastor at Ephesus. And so it's like he's kind of writing this to Timothy. And then he moves to Ephesus. And he writes his gospel in his epistles from Ephesus. In his epistles, he spends a lot of time talking about loving God and loving each other. You say you love God, you hate your brother. He said, yeah, you're in trouble. You're a liar. There's no truth in you. You're in darkness. And I'm just going to tell you right now, as far as I'm concerned, we can be, you know, it's kind of like Jesus said to that rich young ruler, one thing thou lackest. And it's possible for all of us to have everything in order, but lack one thing. He wasn't after the boy's money. He's got ways of getting your money if he wants your money. He, he can sick the IRS on you if he just wants your money. That's not what it was about. He's trying to show him, you don't love like you're supposed to love. If you love people like you're supposed to love people, you'd be willing to help them. And can I tell you with a lot of apostolics, we got the doctrine down pretty strong. Ooh. But we're a little weak in this love department. Okay, just whatever you want to do, just... I've been at this long enough to know I'll amen myself. Amen. Yeah. That's why the enemy fights you so hard in your relationships and trying to just stay connected to him. 
If you stay connected to him, he said, my love will flow through you. As far as I'm concerned, with Jesus, John recorded this, and he said, you know, I'm the vine, you're the branches. He ain't talking about the fruit that you bear. That's not being a soul winner. I've heard that used so many times. That's about winning souls. That's not what the text was about. The text was about love. And the only way that you can produce my love is you stay connected to me. It's not your love. It's my love. And my love can only flow through you as long as you stay connected to me. But when you get disconnected from me, you're going to wither and die. Watch the text. And men are going to gather you and cast you into the fire. I feel a little help here right now. Angels may cast you into the lake of fire, but men are not going to cast you into the fire. So we know he's not talking about the lake of fire. Well, bless God, if you're not a soul winner, you're going to hell. I've heard that preached. I think if you love like you're supposed to, you'll be a soul winner. But I met some soul winners didn't have an ounce of love. But I've never met anybody who had a heart of love if they weren't trying to be a soul winner and help people. Am I making sense here right now? Men are going to gather you and cast you into the fire. I studied that pretty strong. You know what that actually means? You're going to be put into situations with people that's going to consume you and burn you up. I could stop right there. You know, it's amazing. As long as I'm connected to him, I, I, I like everybody. I'm just pretty good. You know, man, you're just a great bunch of people. But the minute I start getting connect, disconnected, it all changes. Bunch of hypocrites. Devils everywhere. <laughs> Being amazing how everybody changes when you pray through. Oh, come on here. I mean, you get a good old praying through, you reconnect, his love's flowing through you. <laughs> I mean, when that happens, you love your mother-in-law, you just love everybody. Yeah. Our struggle, though, is when we get disconnected. I, I, I shouldn't have got on all that. Here's, here's Timothy, and it's very apparent from the first letter that Paul writes him to the second letter, something's happened. First letter is he's given him directions on how to put the house of God in order. So for everybody, well, we're not supposed to go to the house of God. Well, you should have told Timothy that because Paul tells him, this is how you ought to behave yourself when you come to the house of God. And this is how we put things in order in the house of God. So you got all that going on. And he writes all this stuff. But the second letter, he writes to a very troubled pastor. God didn't give you that spirit of fear, power, love, and a sound mind. Timothy, stir up the gift. Let that gift become troubled. Stir it up. I want that gift to be troubled. Ooh. You'll never exercise that gift until it's troubled. You've let it become dormant. And so that's why I'm going to trouble it. Mm. Hey, Timothy, now concerning the things that were prophesied on you, I want you to war good warfare over them. I want you to start remembering some things. So I'm going to trouble your mind a little bit. So you'll go back down past trails and remember the things that I promised you and the things that were prophesied to you. And so I'm troubling everything around you right now, Timothy, because it needs to be troubled. And we're kind of in the same predicament. What in the world is going on out there? The only way to be delivered is not to run from it, but to run into it. You have to hit it head on. Ooh. Yeah, you do.
I, uh, I, I, I hesitate to even use this today, and, and, but I will. Uh, February of 2001, we come back from the Philippines, and uh, so Feb- that was in January, February of 2001. I was, uh, I was, uh, I was still tired, so I was, went into the room and laid down a little bit, trying to rest a little bit, and and uh, where the keys had called, said, "Hey, my brother's preaching there in the town we were living at the time, Manteca." And he said, uh, "You gonna go to church with me tonight?" I said, "Yeah, stop by and pick me up. I ride over with you." And so I told my wife, I "said I'm gonna lay down, and rest a little bit, and wake me up." And uh, we'll make sure I'm up and ready. So I go in and lay down. And when I laid down, uh, man, in a little bit, I felt this uh, panic. Oh. So I get up, and it was so overwhelming. And I felt like the, 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 the walls were caving in on me. And so... I get up and I bolt out of the house and I go out to the front line and I'm just trying to breathe. Oh, man. Now, in my mind, I'm like, oh, great. Some devil has followed me from the Philippines. So I'm rebuking it and telling it to leave and I felt it lift a little bit. So I go back in and I lay back down, try to, but I just felt really exhausted from it just in... Little did I know that was my first experience with what I'd be later diagnosed with, acute panic and anxiety disorder. (laughs) And then uh, that Sunday I was preaching in uh, Stockton, Brother Haney, and um, Sunday night I'm sitting up there and it hit again. I bolt out, went in the prayer room. I'm in there rebuking everything I could rebuke, praying. It lifts enough. They had to send somebody in there and say, we're waiting on you. And so I go out and I get up to preach and it lifted a little bit. And I got home and was really tired again, went to bed. And when I woke up the next morning, I woke up to probably what I would describe as a living hell. A darkness came. It had been prophesied. Oh, Sister Chanel had called me and prophesied to me. I see a thick cloud of darkness coming your way. In it, a couple things. You'll despair of life, and you'll also meet Satan. I wish somebody just called me one time and prophesied. <laughs> you got a million dollars coming or something. And, uh, boy, she was right. I wish to tell you that in a matter of days, but it was, it was pretty well 14 years. Battling it, struggling with it, fighting it. And uh, I did despair of life. I mean, some of these things I hate to even talk about. I mean, <clears throat> they, they hit all the guns. I prayed to die. I literally prayed, beg God, just please let me die. And uh, Brother Barnes called, and he said, uh, uh, I hear you're going through something. I said, yeah, I am. He said, yeah, he said, uh, in 1967, he said, I went through a trial, despair of life, great darkness came, and in my brain I'm thinking, my God, man, I was only five in 1967. And he starts talking about this deal that happened. He said, every morning, I, is this boring? Is, my, is this getting depressing? I mean, I, I don't want you to think you come to church and it's a Dr. Phil kind of deal. That's not what I'm after here today. I'm not, I'm not your therapist here today. And uh, he said, yeah, he said... Uh, I got to praying about it, and he said, Jesus appeared to me. And he said, well, every day I'd get up, I'd look in the mirror, and I'd say, Tom Barnes, you're going to live and not die today. When you come through this, you'll do a greater work for God than you've ever done. So he told me that, and then he said, 1967, Jesus appeared to me. I'm like, man, 
I wish he'd quit appearing to some of you a lot of times and just come see me one time. <laughs> he said, yep. He said, he came that day, come in the room, said, Tom Barnes, I've raised you up to intercede for the nation of Israel. And he spoke to him a couple of things about uh, uh, America. And then he said, uh, that's it. And he disappeared. He said, I'm laying there thinking, you didn't say anything about my trial. You didn't say anything about what I'm troubled with. You didn't say anything about that. Didn't even address it. He said, but Brother Morgan, I could tell you. He said, when I started doing what God called me to do, I started coming out of it. You see, you'll never get the miracle until you embrace and go into what's being troubled. Oh, yeah. I'll finish that real quick. Satan did come to my room one day. He appeared. I asked people, I said, if you was in a room with Satan, what do you think you'd feel? A lot of people's like, well, you know, you'd feel, you know, murder. You'd feel evil. I said, no, 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 no. You would feel utter hopelessness. He has no hope. He's hopeless. And when he comes, he tries to trap you into the same thing. There's no hope for this now. This is a hopeless situation. The Lord showed me, he said, sometimes you sit in darkness, but he's chained to it. It's not my will and intent for you to stay in the troubled. I'm eventually going to bring you out of the troubled. But don't, don't leave until you get the miracle that I'm trying to do in the trouble because I'm using this troubling. Oh, yeah. See, we have a hard time with that. We, we, we really do. We want the miracle, but we don't want anything troubled. Everybody wants a testimony. Which one of you is good at spelling up here on the front pew? Which one, you? No? They're all looking at you like, yeah. Okay, come up here. We're going to see how homeschooling's going. Do you know how to spell testimony? Okay. T- Are you troubled right now? <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. Yes, I. T S T I M O N E. Yeah. M N O N Y. Yeah. M O N Y. So T E S T I M O N Y. So the last part of it would be I. Money. That's not how spelling works. Well, I'm preaching, so I can, I can say it however I want to say it. No? Now, I want you to take out T-E-S-T. What you got left? I-M-O-N-Y? Yeah. So, when you take test out of your testimony all you got left is just a bunch of money no seriously I've heard people get up and try to t- and they, they, they never had a test they, they, they want the testimony but they they don't want the test. <laughs> well, I'm on a roll here today. Amen. We had a guy come through years ago, and man, he's preaching about God's miraculous provisions and talking about just miracle after miracle. We're seeing God provide. And, and I sat there and I thought, man, them are some cool stories. <laughs> I wish I had a few of them. 
See, I wanted the testimony, <laughs> but I didn't know T-E-S-T comes first in testimony. And brother, I mean, he turned around and prophesied to us one time. He said, I see a vault opening above you. I see money flowing. I'm still stirring up that gift and that prophecy. I see all this happening and I see your wife filled, her purse is filled with money, it's flowing out. And I'm telling you, my wife took it literal because she don't carry a purse. She carries a little mini suitcase everywhere she goes. But I, I want to help some of you. See, prophecy is only in part. You can't take a prophecy and make it the sum total. And God leaves a lot of the negative stuff off the prophecy. He tells you the good stuff about the prophecy. But he knew if he gave you the whole enchilada. Mm -mm. See what he left off was, yeah, that vault's going to open. But here's how it's going to open. It's going to fall. It's going to fall on you. It's going to crush you to death. And then it's going to open. Now, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you know, here, here's the thing. We all want testimonies, but what you don't understand is when you ask God for a testimony, you, you're asking God for the test. And so God says, the only way I can get you into this testimony is I'm going to have to trouble some things in your life. And once I trouble it, don't run from it. I'm really trying to do the miracle that you wanted me to do. <clears throat> I, I, I'm, I'm going to start wrapping up here. I mean, Brother Hughes, our finances plummeted. <laughs> it's okay if I tell some. Yeah. So, I, you know, we'd come off the evangelistic field. And we went to Oak Mogi, and, man, we'd had a little old trailer and uh, RV. And so, you know, we're pastoring now. And so after a while, I said, you know, we need some furniture. We need some nice furniture, you know. My wife said, well, you know, let's save up and we'll get it. And I said, well, let's just go down and look at it. So we drive down this really nice furniture store, Jones Furniture. Went in, looking around, come back a few days later, looked around. This big, tall gentleman come up, approached us. He said, I've seen you in here several times. He said, you're looking at some stuff. He said, uh, what's stopping you from buying Not M-O-N-Y, this was M-O-N-E-Y. So I told him, I said, well, you know, he said, well, look, I own the store. He said, just pick out whatever you want, just pay it out over time. M-O-I's like, uh, here's the difference between Sister Morgan and Brother Morgan. Nah, let's not do that. Why not? It could be a miracle. It wasn't. <laughs> so we bought it. And then, boom. So I, uh, I, I, called, the, I called the owner. His name was Bill Jones. I said, Mr. Jones, I said, I'm sorry. I've got to run into a little economical problem here, and I promise you I'll pay it. So I'm not worried about it, preacher. I know you're good for it. I know you take care of it. I said, I will. And uh, so I had that. I had that preacher come back. And it was on a one night. And, and he gets there. And, and all the way from the airport to the, to the hotel, this guy's a real quiet guy. It, it wasn't your brother. Amen. Just a real quiet guy. And, uh, <clears throat> I mean, he prophesied all this stuff and all. And our finances, I mean, it was, it was bad. It was bad. And uh, so we're driving along, and all I could think of was false prophet.
Seriously. I, I, oh, come on now. You've never been there before? Some of you are there right now. <laughs> False prophet. I just didn't have the guts to cancel you. And so he, 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 we get to there. He said, God's given me something for you tonight. It's church. I said, oh, okay. So we're in the office, and he said, uh, you, you mind if I do what I feel in the Holy Ghost tonight? And I said, oh, yeah, do whatever you want to do. But in my brain, I'm thinking, just, just don't prophesy over me. I can't afford your prophecies. I'm just trying to get real with everybody here today and let you know, you know. And so, <laughs> oh, God. So we get to service that night, and he's, he's up preaching, doing his thing. And, and uh, so we're all, I mean, he, he, I mean, we was up there repenting for stuff we'd never even done. I mean, <laughs> it, it, it was just, you know. He preached about church bosses that night, and I mean, it was a deal. So I'm, I'm laying up there on the floor, and I mean, people are travailing, and I mean, it's a real serious service. And then I hear this evangelist say, let's all stand. So when I stand up, there's a tall, stately, African-American black gentleman standing there, and the evangelist is standing down next to him with the microphone, and that guy points at me and goes, that's him. I'm telling you the truth. All I could think of was, oh, my God. He's from the furniture store. Oh, my God. It's done. I'm done. I'm history, man. And the evangelist hands him the microphone. Here. And this man says, I was, uh, I was driving up the highway here going from Texas up to Kansas, Highway 75. And he said, I was down the road. He said, something spoke to me. And he said, told me, go to the red light, turn right, drive down about a mile. There'll be a red brick church on the side. Walk in, there'll be a man laying on the floor. Give him $500 offering. I, I, I stood there kind of like, See, when we left to go to church that night, my wife told me, we, we, we need a miracle. We've got to have a miracle. And what I didn't tell anybody was, is when I, boy, I, this is going a way I didn't intend for it to go. I mean, when I got home from dropping him off at the, at the uh, motel, when I got in my room, Pastor, it's like every devil in the state of Oklahoma was waiting on me. Where's all these miracles? Where's all this stuff at? All these prophecies, where's all this at? I mean, you talk about a suffocating spirit of unbelief. Now, let me explain something to you. Everybody has doubt. But if you let the spirit of unbelief get a hold of you, that's a different story. And I'm struggling with this unbelief, and this it's suffocating. And I finally prayed it off. And when I did, I just felt this. I want you to get a deposit slip. I want you to date it and sign it, but don't fill in the amount and date it for tomorrow. That's how I went into the church service. And this guy goes, and so the evangelist says, I feel like that we need to take an offering for your pastor tonight. We needed, I think it was $4,800 to take care of stuff. And so that little old church that night gave uh, it was way over $5,000. And the Lord said, that's why I told you not to fill in the amount. Don't limit me. Now, before you could get your miracle, I had to trouble your finances. 
See, the American church is wanting all these miracles. But what we don't understand is the only way to get the miracles, God has to trouble some stuff. And then when he starts troubling, we go into a panic attack and wonder, what in the name of God? Why is this going on? I'm telling you why it's going on. God is setting us up. I'm really trying to help some of you here today. Things are troubled in your life, and they're troubled for a reason. Let me, let me, let me hasten here. Let me, let me try to wrap this up. Here's the thing. I, 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 I don't want, I don't want to repeat something you may have already heard, but I call it the contrast of revelation just real quickly. You see, the only way that you would have any knowledge of light is darkness has to come first. So anytime that God is going to reveal something to you, the opposite of it has to come first. There can't be a morning unless there's been a night. He's not a way maker until you've been trapped in the wilderness, Moses, and nowhere to go. He can only be a healer if there's been sickness or disease or affliction in your body. So when the opposite comes first, we go into a panic. What in the world's going on? God, why are you doing this? I'll tell you why he's doing it. He's setting the backdrop and he's setting the contrast for you to get the revelation. Hebrews 11, they waxed valiant in fight. You don't get valiant sitting on the sidelines. You can only experience becoming valiant when you're in the fight. And God can only reveal his strength to you is when you're in those situations. There's miracles here today. There's miracles. I close with one more Bible story. And you all know it. Let us go to the other side. Puts him in a boat, sends him on, and he stays over here. How many know that story? Waves, boisterous, disciples hanging to the side of the little boat. We're going to drown. And then they see somebody <laughs> walking toward them. Lord, is it you? That's how we usually do, man. We're in the trouble and we're just hanging on for everything we've got. And when he starts approaching us, we're not quite sure. Is it you? Anybody relate to what I'm talking about right now? Is that you? Mm -hmm. Peter, well, if it's you, bid me come. <laughs> His miracle was stepping into the troubled. Oh, I know. Yeah, but he started sinking. Well, yeah, but think about that one. I don't know about you, but I've never just started to sink. I just sank. I mean, you don't start sinking in increments. No, you just sink. The problem was... It's when he got his eyes off of the master and started looking at the troubled. Now just think about it. He says to him, O ye of little faith, where did that put the boys in the boat? 
Peter got the miracle. But the boys in the boat, if he is little faith, pretty strong indictment. So a lot of times they're troubled. And here's the thing I heard months ago, and I've never forgot it. Peter wasn't walking on the water. He was walking on the word. And the very fact that Jesus said, let us go to the other side. That boat wasn't going to sink. There's no way it could sink. And so to a lot of you, he told you you're going to go to, this is where you're going, and you started on your way. Boy, this stuff just keeps coming. These are old messages. Maybe I should have just preached the whole six months worth of, I don't know. God showed me a long time ago the story of Paul shipwrecked in the will of God. Mm. You're going to Rome. And then the storm barely escapes on the island. And all of us are kind of like, I thought you said I was going to Rome. Oh, you're going. I just didn't tell you how you was going to get there. And that's where a lot of us are. Yeah. And we're living right now in very troubled times, politically, economically. I mean, we're, we're, we're in troubled times. Socially, we're in troubled times. And the church is standing here, kind of like the boys in the boat. And Jesus is saying to us, oh, I know everything's troubled, but I'm setting the stage for you to step into the troubled so I can show you my miraculous power. I have never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed. God doesn't just take care of the righteous. He takes care of his seed or his seed begging for bread. I'm done. I'm preaching to people here today. It could even be this church is troubled. A lot of churches are troubled right now. We come out of COVID, and uh, in the in the mother church, pre-COVID, pretty about 150, pretty strong. We come out of COVID. We finally, after a year of not having church, we finally get back in a little old building. We lost the building we were in. Everything. We might have had 50, 60 people. And then uh, I told your pastor coming, I said, we didn't lose one person. Not one person during COVID lost their job. Nobody. Everybody kept employed. It was, we were thankful for that. And, but after COVID, we got several people that's losing their job over vaccinations. And uh, watching this, and then all of a sudden, uh, people, this is too crazy here, and they're just moving. And, you know. You can't blame them trying to get out of Cala crazy. We're sending them all to Texas. <laughs> Y'all have fun. <laughs> and uh, I'm just telling you, man, and, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be very transparent. Uh, a few weeks ago, I just got to the point. God, I, I have given my life to this. And this is how it's going to end. It's dissolving before my eyes. Numbers are way down. Things are down. What in the world? And it's kind of like the enemy started working on me. Maybe it's time for you to go. <laughs> And uh, I want to because of the times. I'm supposed to be the prophet of because of the times. And the prophet went needing a word. And a young man preached about being three foot from the glory, the gold. And while he was preaching, the Holy Ghost spoke to me and said, you're just a little ways away from a miracle. I wouldn't give up now. Go fight like you've never fought. 
Go back under the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Let every devil know, you know what? I don't know how this is going to go down, but there's one thing I am going to tell you. I'm not running away from the troubled. I'm headed straight at you, and I'm going to get in this fight, and God's going to make me valiant in this fight. And greater is he that's within me than he that is in the world. And we're troubled right now. But I'm telling this church today, let's go straight toward it. Let's go embrace the trouble. Oh, you're crazy. That's the only way around it. Through it. You got to embrace it and step into it. But when you're in it, I see the fourth man like the son of God. You only know that until you get in the fire. Hallelujah. Some of you are almost panicking over situation in your life right now. I'm telling you, step into it and tell the devil, I'm not running from this. My God is getting ready to show me something that I have never, ever seen before. Woo! Elahashahakai. 